So let's give our attention to God's holy word as it's found here in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. May God add his blessing to his holy word. Well, friends, the very same portion of the Bible which describes Jesus as the living stone also graciously and mercifully and wonderfully describes believers in Jesus Christ themselves as living stones. What a thought that is. What a wonder to be in the plan of God a living stone. And we see this sort of reality in different ways in the Bible. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one, the Messiah. That's what Christ means. Christ is the Greek. Messiah is the Hebrew, the anointed one. Jesus is the Christ. And so believers, beginning in Acts chapter 11 in Antioch, have been called Christians. And boys and girls, you, you know that the word Christ is the root word of that. He is the Christ, and his people are Christians. They are the Christ ones. And that speaks of our connection to Christ. By God's grace, our conformity to Christ and our calling in Christ. We're Christians. Well, in a similar way, we considered this morning Jesus, the living stone. 
And now his people are called living stones. And there's obviously a great connection there to be considered. What does that mean for a believer? What does it mean for the church together to be called living stones? If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's one way that your identity is described in the Word of God. Don't you want to know who you are? Well, this is part of it. By God's grace, you're a living stone built upon the living stone, Jesus Christ. What does this mean for a believer? And it's important, again, to stop and say, it is believers who are in view here. This is what coming to the living stone means. As you come to him, what does that mean? Well, it means, verse 6, the one who trusts in him. It means, in verse 7, you who believe. It means those to whom Christ is precious, more precious than anyone else or anything else, the pearl of great price. This is the identity of a living stone. He or she is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not someone who just attends church or a worship service. It's not just those who are born into a Christian home. As much of a blessing as these things are. Do you remember what Jesus said to those who were trusting in external things? Being just born into the people of God in Matthew 3, 8 and 9. Jesus said, do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Ultimately, spiritually, you can be born into a Christian home and just be a a dead stone. God can raise up from stones those kind of people. But a living stone is a believer. Well, who believes? How do we come to believe? This passage is filled with teaching for us. Verse 9, you are a chosen people. That's where existence, life as a living stone begins in the eternal plan of God. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, Ephesians 1.4. This is what the Bible teaches about unconditional election. I'm a living stone. Do I pat myself on the back? It all is traced back to the eternal, sovereign, good pleasure of God. A choice based on no good thing in us, but only based on God's will and good pleasure. And so a choice like that must be At the same time, a choice permeated with mercy. Mercy. And that's what we see in verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who are living stones? They are men and women and boys and girls chosen by God and mercied by God. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. 
Don't we read that so often in the Gospels? Mercy me, Jesus. That's the cry we can make as sinners. That's the plea we can offer as sinners. Have mercy on me, the sinner. And so it's important as we think about our identity as living stones before we go on to speak really of any privilege or of any duty, of any good work that flows out of being a living stone, it must begin here with the mercy and the sovereign grace of God who has ever given to God that God should repay him for from him and through him and unto him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The sovereign grace and mercy of God. And yet in that grace and mercy, the people of God, believers, are living stones. What does that mean? Well, we start with that word living. Living. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. A living stone, a believer, is living, has crossed over from death to life. Will not be judged because the judgment of that person was executed on the cross. There was a judgment and there was a penalty for sin and there was a punishment for sin. God is just. He can't deny himself. But that punishment was on the cross and Jesus bore it for his people, for those living stones. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or have it abundantly. And of course, the the ultimate fulfillment of that is that eternal existence of the people of God in the blessing that is eternal life in glory, that they may have it abundantly. That will be true in glory ultimately, but it begins in principle, and it begins now in this life for the people of God, for living stones. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. A living stone has been made alive with Christ. In this life, there is a spiritual life that comes with the new birth out of sin and death and condemnation. So Jesus gives to living stones have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you're a Christian, you have life and you have it abundantly. But you know, as Christians, that life can be weighed down and it can be oppressed and it can be stifled and suffocated by many things. Most of all, the remaining sin in our life I don't know about your experience, but often when I read John 10.10, when Jesus says to his people, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I just need to repent. Because my life 
often looks so much less than abundant in Christ. I'm not talking physically or material. That's not the abundance here. But experientially, spiritually, in Ephesians 3, the apostle Paul prayed for being filled with all the fullness of God. Christ came to give us life and to give it abundantly. Are we experiencing that kind of fullness and abundance? Again, I think that the real thing that gets in the way is not so much the things that come to us in God's providence in terms of external trouble and suffering, but our sin. So in Romans 6, speaking of the Christian life, the Apostle Paul says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. If we are to know more as living stones of that abundant life that Jesus gives, it will be as sin is more and more put to death, that we are made more and more alive to God. Living stones. And so, so much to think about in terms of living, but then stones. Perhaps here there's the sense of living a solid, steadfast kind of life. And that's what the Christian life should be. Sometimes we hear people refer to that that person is such a rock. Well, that should be Christians, shouldn't it? Shouldn't we be the rocks in our society? People who have such a solid foundation in the unchanging Lord Jesus Christ, who have a living hope in this world, who listen to and believe and live out God's unchanging, infallible word, we should be rocks of men and women and boys and girls. The rains come down and the floods rise up. But they stand firm. Psalm 15 speaks of the one who will never be shaken. Psalm 16 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. When everything around us seems to be crashing down by God's grace, living stones can stand. In Christ. You know, in Isaiah 28, that the apostle quotes in the New Testament, the words are literally never be put to shame. In Isaiah 28, literally in the Hebrew, it says that that one who trusts in the Lord, the stone, the living stone, shall not make haste or flee. What does that mean? Christians are never in a hurry? King James Version, Isaiah 28, 16. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. I like what Lenski, the commentator, said. The one who must hurry away in flight 
does so because he is ashamed. His misplaced faith ends in bitter disappointment, and thus he hastens to get away and hide. But the one who rests his faith and confidence in Christ shall stand solid and safe forever. We're living stones. We heard at prayer meeting last week from our devotion, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat, to shake you, that you'd fall. But Jesus says, I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. Living stones built upon the living stone, Jesus Christ. But here in 1 Peter 2, I think the emphasis is really not just on the identity of stones as living stones so much as going further to consider the purpose or the use of those living stones. What does Peter write? You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Stones have long been used to build buildings, and there's a reason for that. You can build your house out of hay. You can build your house out of wood. But like the story that so many people know, stones, when stones are used, those buildings last. We think of the pyramids in Egypt. Have you seen the pyramids, boys and girls? The pyramids of Giza, one article says, stand proud and tall even today after 4,600 years. But 40 years ago, the work of conserving the oldest man-made structures on earth began. The pyramids were showing severe signs of decay in the early 1980s. But the restoration of the pyramids led to further damage when water in modern concrete caused adjacent limestone stones to split. There are these great stone buildings, but they're starting to crumble. And man tries to stop that. And what happens? It's just crumbling even more. January 1984, the restorers had to stop using what they were doing. And they're hoping that what they're doing now will succeed in having those buildings stand and continue to stand. Well, they won't stand for a while. But we know from Hebrews, one day everything in this world will be shaken. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. 
The church of Christ, the kingdom of God, is an everlasting kingdom. It's the kingdom described in Daniel 7. The rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the earth. This is the kingdom of God. This is the church. This is the people of God that Jesus is building upon the foundation of himself. The living stone Jesus and his people as living stones being built into a spiritual house. This is the great workmanship of God that will last forever and ever and ever. Peter writes that believers are living stones being built into not just any building, but a special building, a spiritual house, a temple. This building is not the church. I know we speak of that way casually. Are we going to church? Meet you at the church? Work being done on the church? We use that language, but we really shouldn't, should we? Older generations of Christians would speak of the meeting place. That's this. The meeting place. They would never call this the church. And you know why? Because you, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. The church is a people. Living stones. We know that's true because this spiritual house is being built irrespective of where that church meets. I often think of Hebrews 11.38, especially when I think of other Christians in the world today. The world was not worthy of them, it says in God's word. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And they lived there, and I'm sure they worshiped there as well. But God was building a great building. You know, I've visited some of the great cathedrals in Europe. And you know, many of those cathedrals, as glorious as they look, are utterly void and empty of the Word of God and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ is not preached there. Last week, I went to a cello concert at Southminster United Church in Ottawa, just kitty corner from the football stadium. I walked in those doors, and I said, wow, if you've ever been in there, it's staggeringly beautiful as a building. Wow. We can do that when we see buildings, but we are the church. We are God's workmanship. We are living stones being built into a spiritual house, the temple of the Holy Spirit. How often do you come to worship like this and look around and say, wow. The way that I said wow at that United Church. We don't do it often, do we? But you know, it's a little bit unfair because the work's not done. Months ago when you came here and it was all dust and plaster and wires and everything, you probably wouldn't have said wow. But the church isn't finished yet. And God is still working on his people. We need to think ahead 
to that glorious day when the Lord Jesus reveals his bride and the church finished in every way. And do you know what every angel will say? Wow. Wow. Everyone in the universe will be constrained to say, wow. And we need to live by faith and not by sight. Charles Spurgeon, thinking of the way that the stones that were used for the physical temple in the Old Testament were quarried and then shaped and brought to the site of the temple and put together without any tools or noise. And he says, there are also the rough stones still in the quarry, thinking of Christians, the elect yet to be saved. They must be hewn from there and squared. All this is Christ's own work. Each believer, individual believer, is being prepared and polished and made ready for his place in the temple. But Christ's own hand performs the preparation work. Afflictions cannot sanctify except as they are used by him to this end. Our prayers and efforts cannot make us ready for heaven, apart from the hand of Jesus who fashions our hearts aright. As in the building of Solomon's temple, there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house, because all was brought perfectly ready to the exact spot it was to occupy. So it is with the temple which Jesus builds. The making ready is all done on earth. When we reach heaven, there will be no sanctifying us there, no squaring us with affliction, no planing us with suffering. No, we must be made suitable here and all that Christ will do beforehand. And when he has done it, we shall be carried with a loving hand across the stream of death and brought to the heavenly Jerusalem to abide as eternal stones in the temple of our God. It's good to meditate on what will be as we live in the here and now and again live by faith and not by sight. Living stones built into a spiritual house, a temple. But what else is our identity and calling? We are to be holy. The temple was holy, set apart by God. You are to be holy. Living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We are holy perfectly in our justification. And so we are to strive to be holy in our sanctification. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling as God is at work in us to will and to do his good pleasure. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. You know, it's the shape of a foundation that is reflected in the shape of a building. If a foundation is triangular, the building will be triangular. If the foundation is circular, the building will be circular. That makes sense, doesn't it? Well, Christ is the foundation. What should the building be like? It should be Christ-like. We should be like Christ. That's the goal of our predestination, to be conformed to his image. And so Peter says in 11 and 12, urging us to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. 
wage battle against it and live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. That's what a living stone does. Strives to be holy. That's a holy priesthood. Here that the, the imagery flows, we're not only the temple, but we're the priesthood in that temple as well. Jesus is the only mediator. He is the only high priest. But there is a priesthood of all believers. He has freed us and loved, uh, loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever, Revelation 1, 5, and 6. Well, what do living stones do as the temple and as priests within that temple? Well, we worship. We worship God. What is man's chief end? To glorify God, to enjoy him forever. Worship. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The worship of God, the praise of God, flowed out of the temple of old. And so as living stones, it should be the praise of God that this world hears, the worship of God that the world sees coming from this place. Because you are living stones being built into the temple of God. Worshiping in light of the sacrifice that has been made for you in Jesus Christ. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Let us, therefore, through Jesus, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly confess his name. Living stones are made living stones to worship God. And how do we worship? Well, by way of sacrifice. Again, not for sin, but in light of the sacrifice of sin. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Brokenheartedness for sin doesn't get much airtime in the Western church. It's just not heard very much. It's not preached very much. As if that sort of thing is unbecoming of Christians. It's too down. It's too negative. But God says, the sacrifices of God are a broken heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. A broken heart for sin and a contrite spirit. We offer sacrifices as living stones. That also is your whole life lived in this world. I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, pleasing to God. This is your true and reasonable worship. All of life lived for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, all of your work, all of your play, whatever it is, you get up in the morning, you're going to do something tomorrow morning, or you're not going to do anything tomorrow morning. What are we going to do? May God help us as living stones to do everything as living sacrifices to the glory of God. 
The Bible also says we have the sacrifice of good works, Hebrews 13, 16. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. We are to pray. A priest's work also included prayer. So we pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all of God's people. All of these things are involved. You're a holy temple to offer spiritual sacrifices, worship, repentance, lives lived for God in every way, prayer, good works. But in all these sacrifices, we know none of it is perfect. So what a wonderful thing to read. You like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's not perfect, but he accepts it. He accepts it because he accepts you as a Christian. Well, keeping all this in mind, I just have one further point of application, and with this we'll close. It's something that I think is assumed in this passage. It's rather implicit, but it's vital, and it is easily missed, easily ignored, and too often forgotten. This passage says of believers, you also like living stones. And there we need to know that underneath our English, the word you in the original is plural. It's plural. We spent some time in Tennessee, and I think all of us were rather surprised how quickly we all started saying y'all. We just started doing it, y'all, because they say it almost every sentence when they're speaking about y'all, y'all. But that's what this verse says. You all, like living stones. This life of being a living stone is not something we do or could ever do apart from the living stone, Jesus. But it's also not something we could do apart from each other. Think of Ephesians. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a holy dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. These are intensely together words. They're Greek words that have the word together or with built into them. The one word literally means with harmony. That's how we are being fitted together, with harmony. You can't have harmony with a single voice. And you can't be being built together as an isolated individual believer. Jesus is building his church as he fits one living stone upon another and beside another and underneath another. Think about that. Living stones have gone before us, haven't they? Generations of living stones through whom, by God's grace, we've inherited so many things. Living stones, perhaps in your own family. 
we should be thankful. And there are living stones that will come after us. We should be watchful about the example that we're setting for the living stones that will be built upon us and our congregation. And there are living stones beside you. So be considerate. Be loving. Be encouraging. Be praying. And be present. Be present. Beloved, it matters when people aren't at church. We saw a sign on a congregation down south in Tennessee that said, Visitors welcome. Members expected. Doesn't that flow out of this verse? We're being built together like living stones. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian, you're not a living stone when we're providentially hindered in one way or another from being at worship. But what's going on when we're absent for less than a good reason? Because for that time, on that occasion, you're not in place as a living stone. And you're missed like a hole in the wall. Your place is empty. Beloved, let me just ask all of us, on the basis of what God says he's doing here, you like living stones are being built together into a spiritual house. Are we being built together? Do we know each other? Do we spend time together? The various ways that can happen, formally and informally. Various groups and meetings that we have. But also hospitality in our homes. And social times together, just getting together. Work times. Getting together in that way. All can contribute by God's grace to being built together like living stones. And that can only happen in the Spirit for it to truly happen. That's Ephesians 2.22. Because if the Spirit is not at work and we get that close to each other, there's going to be too much friction. We need the Spirit. We need the Spirit's help to forbear and to be patient and to be gracious and to be forgiving, or we're going to rub each other raw the closer we get to each other. You know, there were many times over the past months that I've heard people say, or I have said myself, this building is coming together wonderfully. I speak to people in Russell, and they say, how's the church coming? The church coming. I say, it's coming together wonderfully. It's all really come together. Well, may we as the church be coming together wonderfully for God's glory, for our blessing, and for a witness to the world. People won't 
ultimately and deeply and convincingly know we are Christians by this building. But they will know we are Christians if we have love for one another. Let me leave you with Paul's words along these lines. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple.